for exploration. And good afternoon. You are listening to 94.1 FM KPFA here in Berkeley and 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno and online at kpfa.org. The time is now 3 p.m. Stay tuned for a stone's throw with Jennifer Stone. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the rule. So divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture, drop the shadows out of sight. This is Jennifer Stone with Stone's Throw. Did you hear that last show? Ah, ah, did that scare you? Scared me, all right. Oh... The population bomb is not a fashionable subject, as you know. Uh, when I was young in the 1950s, it was a big deal. Now, people just brush it off. When I was born in 1933, there were two billion humans on the planet. What have we got now? Seven billion? That's one lifetime. <laughs> Do the math. As he said, yes, let us not dilly-dally, let us neither waffle nor mince. Let's get out there and save our species. Actually, the planet can take care of itself, it always has. But, uh, yes, there will be peace on Earth one day, but whether or not we will be here to enjoy it. Uh-huh. Anyway, today is Tuesday. It's October 16th, 2012, and this evening we will suffer the second debate between the candidates for the presidency of these United States. I only wish I knew uh, what on earth I could say. Uh, I don't think there's anything to be said, folks. <laughs> these times, best of times, worst of times, these times in which we live or survive anyway. Ah. Uh, if you're anything like me, you are of two minds, at least two minds, you know, trying to hang on to reason one moment, the next panic, 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 yes. Is it uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald or one of those people? He said the test of first-rate intelligence is the capacity to hold opposing ideas in the mind and continue to function. Okay, opposing ideas. Let's see. First idea is that uh, it's completely irrelevant, immaterial, and uh, uh, ain't no thing. And the other, uh, the other notion I have is that this could be really serious. I don't want to push the panic button. Okay, I get that feeling, though, the kind of feeling I had. I think it was Gore and George W. 
very, very dark. The dark birds of history hovering. Surely, surely, I tell myself, it is not possible, not possible to fool most of the people enough of the time to set the clock back to the dark ages. No, 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 even our cockeyed electoral system wouldn't allow for a tragedy. Not like the one that selected George W. Bush, you remember that? Uh, our selected president? Eight years? Oh, we know that every trick in the book has been played throughout our history in these <laughs> not-so-united states, right? United we stand a chance. I don't know whether it's the money or the influence or even... Even idealism, history just has a way of happening first and explaining itself later. We must hope for the best, yes. Hope is the rope I hang myself from. I'm afraid I just keep thinking, well, you know, most people, most people mean well. I watched the first lady smile at the television cameras. She held up her absentee ballot. Yes, I did that. I got it in the mail today. I will use my absentee ballot and uh, just keep my fingers crossed that we're going to get a better electoral process one of these days soon, you know. Give the people a whole weekend to vote. Or better yet... How about a six-year term? That's something that would work for the presidency. Now, think of all the ways that would improve this situation, you know. Get past all this rerunning. You know, the moment the guy's elected, he has to start running again. All that energy, time, and money. Ah, the founders of our nation understood about simplicity, right? Uh, actually, <laughs> I like the way they had, what is it, the guy who got the most votes was Prez, and the guy who got the second most votes was the vice Prez. That's interesting. I, I just love this ranked choice voting. I'm doing some of that now, but it's going to be forever till we can get that going so we can actually, actually have third Parties, that'll be the day. Ah, uh, our forefathers, right. <laughs> they didn't even allow most citizens to uh, go to the polls. Today, um, the average voter has never taken a course in civics to say nothing of history. Nearly everyone has the right to vote. Uh, however, masses of men and women refuse to even make the effort. I love to hear them complaining, you know. Government is the enemy. It's like, it's like they won't, they won't go on a date with it, you know, something. They're gonna, they're gonna punish the government by not voting. And people are so, so clever. Of course, ignorance is nothing new. Uh, yes, uh, is it innocent ignorance or, um, Virtuous ignorance? What, what, what is it? Uh, I find it harder to forgive people today because 
In our age, information is out there. It's readily available to anybody who has the the uh, energy to just, you know, press the little buttons. Uh, the snag, though, is that misinformation is also the order of the day. Uh, propaganda is to democracy what barbed wire and black boots are to tyranny. I will repeat that. That isn't bad, Jennifer. Right. Propaganda is to democracy what barbed wire and black boots are to tyranny. You know about Big Brother. Uh, Big Brother doesn't have to watch us. We're watching him. We're in a TV trance. Even people that I used to trust, well, I, I used to think, I used to think they were aware. Uh, people that I've known for years seem to be brainwashed. They keep telling me that, um, you know, the government's broke or that the, the money's gone. What the hell are they talking about? Uh, <laughs> and they, what is it? They think, what is it? They they think that we've run out of cash or something. I, I'm not quite sure. Um, Social Security uh, is out there. Public works are, um, what is it, the sort of thing. Remember FDR just decided when there were no uh, jobs, he simply created public works. Uh, oh, check out George Lakoff. He's the guy to check out on this subject. Uh, tonight, he's going to be at the Albany Library at 5.30. He was speaking here in town last night, but tonight at 5.30, he's not scheduled to read, but he's going over to the Albany Library, and there's a group there that's going to watch the debate together. I think that would be uh, fun. Uh, George Lakoff tries to explain or spell out all the ways language trips us up, the ways that the ruling class persuades masses of people, you know, to believe all that reactionary rhetoric, you know, that junk about the budget being like the budget of a family, uh, when, of course, it's just the opposite uh, Anyway, I just hope that the president manages some humor tonight. That's what I think might work. That and a uh, division thing, you know. A better story. I think, who was it? Maybe George Lakoff said that he needed to talk about the, the story of America. Uh, there's going to be a public forum, you know, a town hall meeting, so the president can engage with the audience, talk to real people. Actually, I couldn't help but empathize with Barack Obama during the first debate the other night. Uh, you know, when he looked at his notes more than at his uh, opponent, Mitt Romney, Chris Matthew says that, he said that Obama seemed to endure Romney's presence. Yes, the word was endure. Yeah, that, that's what it looked like. Uh, reminded me of the sort of um, highfalutin professors I knew when I was those those ones, the types who 
who, um, when they're confronted with fools, they uh, they say things like, "Oh, his ignorance almost subdues my patience." Now, the president may actually be intellectually and morally superior to Mitt Romney, but he's he's gotta gotta go eye to eye. He's gotta do the pugilistic style of politics, you know, put on the gloves, all that junk. Or not. What the hell? Oh, we remember Clinton did it. Gore, not so much. Jimmy Carter hardly ever, his wife Rosalind said that Jimmy Carter would rather be right than president. Guess what? Second term, bam. Who knows? Anyway, the style is changing. I'm grateful for that. Uh, I I do think that um, violence is is um, pretty much out of date. And having women ask the questions, that's a step forward. I think that's a big improvement. Is it Candy Crowley tonight is going to be the uh, moderator? Uh, I think that if violence is going out of style, if the um, if the debates aren't going to be, you know, round one, round two, and uh, you know, he hit below the belt, blah blah, vroom vroom, then maybe humor, humor might be the way to go. Make a comeback with uh, uh, what is that? Laughter. Uh, no enlightenment like laughter. Where is Will Rogers when we need him? Where is Molly Ivans, the blessed Molly Ivans? Oh, dear. So young to go. Anyway, it was Molly Ivans who said, You have got to laugh, or you will go insane. I keep reading my New Yorkers. The New Yorker magazine tries to lighten things up a bit, but... They've also had a number of serious articles recently. There's one on Romney that gave me the creeps. And uh, there's one on why why the rich are the ones crying class warfare. Oh, those billionaires, they are so sensitive. Yes, one of them uh, sent his grandchild's book to the president's family. And he didn't, he didn't get a, a thank you note. Anyway... I won't go into it. Uh, it's the article about uh, why the rich are offended by uh, the uh, liberal notion that they don't know what it's like to be poor. Yes, I like to quote the great Oscar Wilde. He said, to think you can be rich and not act rich is to think you can be blind and not act blind. I don't know why that's hard for some people. It just means that privilege is blinding. We know that. Even Eleanor Roosevelt made mistakes. Um, she didn't understand at one point. Uh, she she was told by FDR that they had to um, they had to do a twenty percent pay cut. Uh, and the very poorest servants at the White House could not sustain uh, a 20% pay cut. You know, they wouldn't even have bus fare. Uh, the idea was to get an across-the-board uh, 
pay cut so that it would be fair, you know, something where the super rich take the same percentage of the cut. But the fact is that um, the bottom, the bottom of the wage scale at that time was below a subsistence wage, simply uh, wasn't enough to survive on. However, uh, Eleanor, when when uh, she was uh, when she was shown the facts, you know, when the fact checker came around, <laughs> she made the proper adjustments quickly. Anywho, I love the New Yorker cover. New Yorker magazine, October fifteenth shows Mitt Romney behind his uh, rostrum there, talking into his mic at the first debate, and the. President's rostrum is empty. Nobody there. There is an empty chair there. I suppose that's homage to Clint Eastwood while you're there at it. I'm sure the president will be on his toes tonight. I guess his biorhythms were off in that first debate. Uh, uh huh. Two days later, he cheered up. He saw. Romney somewhere, or he referred to Romney uh, as, uh, quote, this is a direct quote, this very spirited fellow who claimed to be Mitt Romney. So, of course, referring to uh, Romney's flip-flop performance, you know. Uh, this week, he's a champion of the people, uh He's all for Medicare, that kind of thing. He's a champion of any and everything that comes his way. Uh, I got the impression that he had accepted the Tea Party policies uh, early on. You know, that he, he lurched to the right. And then, uh, I guess, uh, that got him the uh, the nomination and... Uh, he started running against uh, Obama, so he converted to man of the people. He's going to outdo the president uh, as man of the people. Uh, <laughs> any people, any people will do. His wife, his wife Anne, gives me the willies when it comes to uh, what is it? The face of privilege. It's funny because her mom, that is Anne Romney's mother told her that the uh, that seven children i think they they have six or seven children uh gosh i think five boys is it five boys yes um her mom said she was overdoing it uh apparently her mother is for zero population growth yes so mother and daughter are not on good terms it seems anyway <laughs> I, I'm sure that's what choice is all about. Uh, Anne Romney is certainly within her rights to have all the children she wants. Uh, I'm going to send her my, my favorite button, the one that reads, If you don't believe in abortion, don't have one. The issue, of course, is freedom. Conservatives don't use liberated language. They... They turn it on its head, you know. Uh, I always try to, try to, uh, use language to show how liberty or liberation is about freedom for all of us. Freedom for 
all religions, faiths, creeds, whatever. You know, a piece of the pie for each and every sentient soul. The right wing, or the reactionary language, you know, uh, they use freedom to mean something else, uh, to be, you know, free to be them, I guess. Uh, I don't like the word conservative. I am a conservative. I conserve anything I can. Even conservatives, I don't want anything to happen to them. I think they should be free to be silly. Uh, <laughs> you know, their frame of reference is such a structured belief system. Uh, they have this orthodox, well, orthodox religions, say. Uh, these are conventions in my language. These are, uh, what is it, their conventional behavior is what they call morality. Uh, I don't call it moral. Uh, I believe that morality is the desire to lessen suffering. Everyone's suffering. Uh, my test for any behavior or choice or cause or issue is that it lessen human suffering or any suffering, animal suffering, the greatest good for the greatest number. It seems to me that's a, certainly an easy enough test. However, Mitt Romney appears to believe that he knows best, Father knows best. He is, that that's his test, right? He is a businessman, a boss man. You remember the president, which president was it, who said, the business of America is business. <laughs> I can't help thinking Mitt Romney is a clear and present danger. And I think this coming election is deadly serious. I'm panicking. I think we should think about it in terms of damage control. There are many folks, liberals, uh, who shudder about these drones, about the mass murder which our military inflicts. Well, stop right there, Jennifer. The president's job description includes mass murder. This we know. But does anyone truly believe that we would see less carnage if a Republican won the White House? Uh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid it's, what is it, it's an impossible choice, if it even is a choice. I just send these little postcards to the president, no first strike, a foolish, foolish thing, uh, Gandhi is not running for office, folks. Uh, that is a spiritual or religious task. Uh, the president, his job is something else. Um, that's why, well, at this point, you know, the third parties uh, seem to offer hope. And I, I know that so many people turn to third parties because they're, they're just uh, too, too heartbroken about what our empire does to stay in the game. Uh, I don't think third parties are in the cards until we can achieve something like the ranked choice ballot, something where uh, we have instant runoffs, whatever. At this point, we're locked into the winner-take-all system. 
We've got to reform the electoral system. That's it, folks. The folks running for uh, office as third-party candidates, they're trying to educate the people. I think that's very, very groovy, but very reckless. It's all about the numbers and the slim margins. And my deepest gratitude goes to all those who are out there struggling to get out the vote, trying to raise money for the Democrats. Uh, anything they can do to aid voter registration. Uh, I just think that third-party candidates are not uh, are not an idea that we can afford this year. Way to go, uh the boy or girl on the top of the cake, well, it's pretty much uh, Barack or Mitt. Uh, I'm sure you heard Ralph Nader this morning. Um, he was on Mitch's show. And uh, <laughs> I remember Ralph Nader being asked at some point, I'm not sure whether it was on this show, on this station or another, just how he would feel if he were to wake up in the morning and find George W. in the uh, White House. And I believe, I'm pretty sure, this is a quote, Ralph Nader said, well, he, he's not Genghis Khan. I've had a little trouble with that ever since. Uh, I I think that Ralph Nader is certainly doing his best, but I don't think that our vote this year is personal. Uh, it's kind of like brushing your teeth, folks. It's a good idea to just go and do it in case it helps. Uh, I don't know. I was young once and just as foolish. Those of us in the 60s, those of us who didn't vote because we were sure that the Democratic Party was doing wicked things. Uh, hmm. I remember thinking at the time... Uh, that Kennedy was doing his best. I remember he said that uh, people in other countries shouldn't look at what we are, but what at but look at what we were trying to become. Now, I thought that that was very sweet, and I'm sure Mitt Romney would say that was apologizing for the United States. Uh, anyway, if you're just lazy, and if you don't vote because there's too many things on the bloody ballot, remember. Just grab a newspaper you can trust. I, I always grab the Bay Guardian just in case I come across something, a, a school board list or a judge or something. They sent me the huge pamphlet. It's on my table and I can read. Uh, I think I think we should uh, just pull ourselves together and get on with it. I made a list of all the movies I'm watching to keep myself cheerful. So I won't get uh, too, too depressed. I watched The Mouse That Roared, you know, the one with Peter Sellers. <laughs> he, he made Dr. Strange Love for those of us who like black and white uh, grim stuff. And then he made The Mouse That Roared, that wonderful movie with the little white mouse that comes out of the doomsday bomb at the end. Both those movies, Peter Sellers played most of the parts. Uh, I think those are still top, top, top drawer. Uh, Bullworth would be the one that I would show the young people today because it gives us Warren Beatty as uh, the senator who has a change of heart. I love um, 
uh, Amiri Baraka. He plays a homeless man in Bullworth. <clears throat> he goes around saying to Warren Beatty, he says, you've got to be a spirit. You can't be no ghost. you got to be a spirit, man. He says, when the spirit descends, it will descend in song. Let's hope that the president sings a good song tonight. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see how it comes off. This has been Jennifer Stone. I'll be back on the air next Tuesday at the same time. Try to find time for Obama's book, Dreams from My Father. Very good book. Check it out. It's Barack's autobiography. Till next time, go easy. And if you can't go easy, go as easy as you can. Swat's Arabic Music Ensemble presents its third concert benefiting the Middle East Children's Alliance on Sunday, October 28th, 3 to 5.30 p.m. at the Islamic Cultural Center in downtown Oakland, 1433 Madison Street. You'll hear stirring and celebratory Arabic music and dance for justice and peace, including Aswat Women's Ensemble and the Yaoud Ensemble, plus a special solo performance for Aid. And hey, it's family-friendly. Tickets range from $10 to $50, plus $15 tickets at area bookstores. For information, go to www.meccaforpeace.org or call 510-548-0542. If you're a wheelchair user, call us and we'll assist you.